For our scripture reading today, we're going to go to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. And in in 2 Timothy, we're going to touch on passages from the book uh, of uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and chapter 3 uh, in our reading. Timothy, the second epistle, a second epistle, a second letter, going from Paul to Timothy. And, and, and Timothy is a protege, I guess you might say, is he's learning. Uh, Paul is training him, he's giving him insights, and so we can learn some things. But in the passage of Scripture, reading like, well, if this is to Timothy, and Timothy's uh, a young minister, why is this relevant to us? Because you will see in, in one of the, if you read through um, the epistles, you would find where Paul's telling him to share these things with other people and these insights with other people. So we're going to pick up on that, <coughs> excuse me, as we think about how we deal with information that's going on in our society, information that's going on in our churches. And it's not just something new, but it is something that has existed, but it seems to be prevalent and a challenge to us. And you're like, what is he talking about? Well, let's just get into it. Our first passage and section we're going to read is in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14 through 26. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Hymenius and Philetus are of this sort. Have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also useful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. May God ask blessing to the reading of his word. Let's have a brief word of prayer. Father God, I pray to Lord as we read these passages of Scripture that you would settle our minds and our hearts. There's been many distractions yet this morning. And we pray, Father, that we might set those aside. 
We pray that we might take time now and listen from you. There are so many things out there today that would influence us. So much information. And Lord, we pray that we might find the path through the truth. The scripture says, thy word is truth. Bless us now in these next few moments, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you look at this passage of Scripture, you will find that there are, uh, is almost a repetitive theme in, in sections where we have verses 14 and 15, verses 16 and 17, and verses 23 through 26. And then as we continue into chapter 3, we'll, we'll touch on some things on, on some of the responses, but in verses 14 and 15 you find... Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Then we jump down to 16 and 17. <clears throat> but shame, profane, and idle babblings. Strive about words to no profit, verse 14. Shun pervain and idle babblings, verse 16, for they will increase to more ungodliness. We go down to verse 23, flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of pure heart, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. So there's an interesting pattern as he's the not to strive about words to no profit. To the ruin of the hearers, verse 14. Shun profane and idle babblings, verse 16. And verse 23, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. Paul's repeated this in just a matter of sentences three times on the concept of these debates and these discussions and strife. Striving about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase more in godliness. Avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. So the dangers there in these are the ruin of the hearers. Increase to more ungodliness and the generation of strife. And there's another warning in here is verse 17, and their message will spread like cancer. He's talking about, and, and we'll find as we continue to read, we can get our eyes off of the work, but because we're busy talking about some disputes and some discussions, we can get distracted. <clears throat> you can get, I sat in a car, I was traveling, and my 
can't remember now if it was Uber or what was it? Oh, I was on Lyft. I was in, taking Lyft. It was a Lyft guy uh, that was driving that's taking me from downtown, the hotel I was staying, out to the airport. And he was a Muslim. And as is wont I'll have, I'll have the occasion to ask him about church or ask him about things and, and get in a discussion and it becomes an interesting learning. I could tell he was fairly devout. I could tell that I wasn't feeling the pressures. I didn't feel the pressure of the Holy Spirit to witness. Your inclination is, is this an opportunity to witness? But you, some people, <clears throat> I fear, get so focused on the task that they don't listen to the Holy Spirit. This does not seem like one of these times. He was very devout. I used it as an opportunity of learning to asking him questions, and I would tell him, you know, I do disagree with you, but, <clears throat> you know, there's no point in having an argument at this point. Uh, but I used the opportunity to learn and was asking him some questions. But sometimes we can get so involved in the argument and the debate that it becomes a distraction. We're so cause-oriented of winning the argument or the positional statement that we forget the, the, how to conduct ourselves. We can talk about things that are to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. I think about this sometimes if we're on Facebook and two Christians are arguing on Facebook in the ear, in the uh, with non-Christians looking on, to their detriment. It's also if we're mature in Christ and we're having a discussion on something deeper, deeper old doctrinal discussions, and, and maybe I'm having a discussion with you, and there is a young, very young Christian with us. We might go off on talking on something that doesn't matter, and it will confuse them. I think about that a, a little bit. I also do think about sometimes if we go into some of the deeper things, we've got to be respectful of those that are hearing that we don't confuse them. But I think here Paul's cautioning that he's get, there's a lot of distractions going on because they were fighting. You had some that were becoming Christians that were part of the, the Gentiles, meaning they're not Jews, and you have those that are from the Jews and they were maybe getting into these little disputes on, well, my way is better than your way, and that way is better than my way, and, and missing, missing the benefit, and some of it's to the detriment of the hearers. And to get in these discussions and debates on things that maybe don't matter just adds strife. Because I'm trying to win the argument, right? I, it, it's, a, it's, it's about me winning the argument. And then we can tie that back into Corinthians. It talks about their babes in Christ, because their carnality, they're wanting to win. It's about me winning, and we lose track of what's important. When we lose track of the right things, and we start behaving not consistent with Scripture. And all we do is add confusions to those that are listening on.
but shun pain and pro but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort. We have strained concerning this truth, saying that the resurrection has already passed, and they over, overthrow the faith of some. It's a cancer. Some of this bad information gets going, it's a cancer. And he's saying, shun it. Don't spend time on it. In some ways, I think he's also in there, might be, there's a concept of maybe as the leader, don't put up with it. But shun it. It gets spreading out there, these idle babblings, these confusing things. Instead of talking about the weightier things, we get in the noise. In the noise. We have to be careful as Christians in the things that we talked about last week, or the things we talk about going on in society, that we become opposed to things in such a way that that becomes our primary focus, is talking about certain immoral or certain immorality. We can focus on the sin of, and that becomes our focus, or the sin of, and that becomes our focus. And we, and we start conducting ourselves not consistent with word and we pull back from the word and we get into these discussions that are maybe more pragmatic they're more practical and what makes sense it's in our logic and and we forget to draw back to what scripture says we listen to somebody or we see somebody say something on facebook and it sounds like that's scripture but it's not quite it's close and because it's as consistent with what we believe, we click the like button or we tag it or whatever we do in whatever social media you have or whatever method you have. And, and in some ways we endorse it. But if you look at that little quip saying they have and somebody that endorses it, then they click on that and it, their click takes them to something else that you've endorsed because you've happily clicked along and it's not scriptural what's behind it. But he's saying, watch your conversations here. Be careful. Don't get drawn away. Don't argue to just be arguing, arguing about things that don't really matter. Don't get caught up in these profane and idle babblings. They're empty. Because it spreads like wildfire and it's pulling people away. Have you seen that where things get stirred up and it's not based on scripture and it's ramping through the churches and you, yeah, we talked about that a little bit last week. It's drawing people away. Avoid these foolish and ignorant disputes. And it says, verse 24, and a servant of the Lord must, be, must not quarrel but be gentle all, able to teach, patient, verse 25, and humility, correcting those who are in opposition. So there's a correction that needs to take place. But we've got to do it in some kind of loving way. If God perhaps will grant them repentance. Now repentance is not a word that you will hear in some of the, possibly in some of the very large churches. 
but repentance so that they may know the truth. It doesn't say that they may know a truth, the truth. But it requires repentance. It's not that God loves us all, and so he loves us as we are, which he does. But he requires repentance. He requires a change. There's this distorted view of love today that love means that I say everything you do is okay. And that God is love. And in his love, he, is, he does love. God is love. But he is a just God that demands that we live justly. He understands that there needs to be forgiveness of sins, but he requires repentance. Repentance is a change. It's not just keep doing what I always did, not continuing in the sin that I was born in, but to change, it requires repentance. It continues, verse 26, and that they may come to their senses, and escape the snare of the devil which have taken having been taken captive by him to do his will, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Do you not believe that the devil is sneaky enough to cause confusion in the church? To try to make the churches to be more worldly? To blend in a little bit of scripture and a lot of falsehood? Remember, he used Scripture to tempt Jesus. So let's continue on this thought as we continue. In, in 2 Timothy, we're going to go on to, to verse 3. Excuse me, chapter 3. And we're going to read verses 1 through 9. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for when will be lover, men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. Boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away. For of this sort of those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sin, led away by various lusts, always learning, and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janies and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Having a, you hear words today, oh, I'm a very religious person. That's a dangerous word. I can be very religious. I can be a religious drunk, where I religiously go to the bar. Just being religious doesn't mean you're on your way to heaven. 
other people because they don't want to say, I don't want, they, it's almost like they don't want to offend someone and say they're a Christian. Or they don't want to use that word. They'll say, I'm a very spiritual person. Which spirits do you follow? You follow Satan's group or you follow the Holy Spirit? There's a lot of terms when they say spiritual, so you need to be careful with that. When somebody says they're very religious, religious about what? If they sound very spiritual, huh, spiritualists. There's uh, all kinds of new religions mixed. There's like this light faith thing and new spirituality. Or, and as you can see this Eastern mysticisms and Eastern religions mixing in. And, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, Star Wars. Where the force. Everything's part of the force. It's like everything's God, see? Everything's part of the force and... You know, they move the chairs or they can move things around because they're part in one and you have the good force and the bad force. That's not God. That's a, like a pantheistic. You either have multiple gods or it's the, the, the con- concept of it's all intertwined and you got yin and yang and there's good and they're bad and, and the good karma and the bad karma. See, that's all spiritual stuff, but it's not godly. Oh, it sounds good. You know, if you do enough good, good will come back to you. Oh, that's bad karma because, you know, you did that person and you cut that person off. That's why you spilt your coffee. See? That's spiritual in sometimes. Or, you know, it's just, uh, I guess it's just fate. Who's running fate? That's what we believe in, fate. Or, you know, it's just part of my destiny. I want to be what I was create, what I'm supposed to be. You know, not necessarily what I was created to be. I want to be, you know. Everything it, it, it's it was supposed to happen. I guess it was just supposed to happen. What's supposed to happen? What spirit are you following? What what good thing are you going down to? It sounds good, so we must, we must, we must go, go follow that path. You hear things, and it, it talks about, we get, see, we get drawn away because it sounds good. It sounds spiritual, but where is it in Scripture? Or they'll, they'll take one verse and run with it. And you wonder, you wonder. You just wonder. What are we getting drawn away from? I've always wondered. There's one coming to my mind like the prayer of Jabez. That's like one verse and it becomes this big thing. It becomes its own movement. We get drawn away. We get caught up on it. It sounds spiritual. It sounds religious. But is it? Is it based on Scripture? We're going to talk about that in a minute. Is it based on Scripture? Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Its power to change our lives. The power to change it from the inside out. 
It's not a self-help book and a positive book and let's go warm up some rocks and put them in the middle of our back and it'll bring healing to us. That's spiritualism to some people. It's the power of God to bring healing to our hearts and His power over the universe. Having a form of godliness looks like it. It's a good Facebook post, good Twitter, good Instagram, whatever you're doing. But denying its power. For this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sin, led away by various lusts. And it's talk, then it talks about always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Always learning, never come to the knowledge of the truth. Now you need to read that scripture. Some are going to read that and say, are you saying women are gullible? It doesn't, it doesn't say all women are gullible. It says gullible women. Have, can you not tell me you've not run into a gullible person that, that's a woman? It's gullible woman. And it sneaks into their homes. Now how today would that be? Sneaks in their home, led away by various lusts. They've already got sin, and so maybe they're trying to cover up the sin they're doing and creeps in their households. How do we creep into our households today? Well, you got the radio, you got the TV, you got the Harlequin wrote some of those Rainbow Man's books, but you certainly have the internet. And so we start getting our religiousness from social media. So we follow the religious crowd. I didn't say the Christian crowd, but the religious crowd based on a groupthink of what seems to be okay. So because so-and-so put together an argument that we should be all following the Black Lives Matter movement, and we know Black Lives Matter, uh, white lives matter, we all matter. But the Black Lives Matter wasn't just a quip saying, it was a movement that was Marxist and anti-Christian. But we all check the boxes because it sounds right, we want to be caring, and so we get drawn away by basing our religiosity not on scripture but based off of a group think we become a part of a social religion instead of a personal faith always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth always chasing that thing that's the easiest to consume but avoiding the hard thing You ever know what the right thing to do, but you try to find other things to keep your mind busy because you know that's what, what you're supposed to do, but you don't want to do it. You know, some of uh, some task planning and things like that are, I've got these tasks to accomplish today. I got the priority things that are hard and I got the other things that are easy. Which one do you tend to do first? You do the easier ones that are more enjoyable and you never do the hard thing. And maybe... God's trying to teach you the knowledge of the truth, but it's the harder thing. You know it's the truth. 
and the devil's gotten your way, and you're starting to believe all the lies, and you're being drawn away, you've become gullible and drawn away from all this talk and all this chatter, and sometimes how you're telling yourself that this religiosity, this participating in this argument or participating in this debate that you're uh, for, you're for marriage and you're for uh, uh, heterosexual relationships, not homosexuality and LGBTQ, and you're pro-life and not this, that that becomes your religion. And somehow that's different from those that are, their religion is an eco-religion. And it's on nature. And they've got their arguments and disputes. And you've got yours over here, but yours happen to have some uh, religious undertones to it from a pseudo-Christian thing. And so you think that's okay, but you don't have an actual relationship with God. And yours is based on a man's argument and not based off of truth. So now let's move into the next section. And it's in 2 Timothy 3, 14. And we'll go into verses, uh, chapter 4, 1 through 5. So in 2 Timothy 3, 14. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing them, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped thoroughly complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, it is appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be in season. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will keep, keep up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things and your afflictions through the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Continuing the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Don't abandon, if you've been raised in the church, don't abandon what you've been taught all your life at the first little whim. Prove it out. See if it's true. You've seen the life of people that have walked with Christ. And you see how obeying Christ can keep you out of trouble. And here you're going to go trust someone that you've never met that's got some really good, good words and they put together a good stream and you're going to trust them in a moment over the ones you've known for your lifetime. At least give them the benefit of the doubt and study it for yourself, but certainly why jump all the way? And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise 
for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. That's what we need to be wise in. It's through wisdom that comes from the scriptures makes you wise for salvation. It's not earthly wisdom. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for teaching, for those boundaries, for reproof. Reproof. That's not right. Bible says it's not right. For correction. You're kind of going a little bit off the rails. You need to kind of guide back in. Correcting behavior. The stop it and the correcting. And for instruction in righteousness. So we're not only talking about stop it. We're not even talking about correcting your path. But instruction in living a righteous life and following God. It's the whole gamut. It's all there. It's profitable. But we need to know it. And we need to have a high view of Scripture. It needs to be primary, not secondary, not uh, something that kind of goes along with everything else you start here. And it doesn't need to be practical. Just because it's not practical to you does not, does not mean it's not the best practice. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. He says to Timothy, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. My job is to preach the word. If I preach the word, and some of you maybe hold, told me, heard me say this before, if I preach the word, that's the first guide. Am I preaching the word? But if I'm preaching the word, if you like what you're hearing, fine. If you don't like it, it's not my, your problem's not with me, right? It's with God. So you can come talk to me, but I am responsible to preach the word. In season, when it's convenient, and when it's not convenient. In season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Which might mean I have to preach the same thing over and over and over again. Sometimes the message is for me. But my job is to do it whether you're going to like it or not. But you need to determine, is this the word of God? And you might say, well, the pastor is really talking to me today. Now, now the question should be, did the Holy Spirit speak through his word to you today? Scripture is our source of wisdom. It's God's word. We should arm ourselves with it. So if we work back through what Paul was telling Timothy, we focus on the Word. 
It's our wisdom. It's our source of truth. And then when we're in these discussions with people, we use that wisdom to try to convince them of their need of Christ. To try to convince them of what the truth, or convince other Christians of their need of understanding God's word, that they, this is what God's word says. That they might repent. We don't condone it. We don't say it's okay. We have to have some, uh, we need to come across in a Christ-like way, but we don't roll over. Perhaps, perhaps, will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. Correcting them in the opposition. Don't, don't engage, though, in some of these futile discussions that just add stripes and brings up your blood pressure. Don't waste your time on that, some of that stuff. And certainly don't have those discussions that come to no end in front of people that are prepared for some of those debates. Don't be um, a means by which you cause more confusion to other people and just so that you can win the argument and don't get pulled away by things that creep in in their religiosity, their spirituality. And it sounds spiritual. It sounds Bible kind of-ish. Because of the form that it comes in. And they, they got some catchwords. But it is it from Scripture. And just don't go off on whatever you see on Facebook because somebody said it. Because how many people that had the great sayings that you are quoting have since fallen away? They make a living. I don't mean just a living, I mean, I mean a prosperous living on quips and quotes and catchphrases. And I've seen two kinds. I've seen the kind where they write books and it helps people and they're not too much worried about the money. Whatever you can give to pay for the book or whatever, and they're famous. And then I've seen the kind of like, now, you can't use that unless you put your quarter in the, in the machine. And I make sure that I get my cut. So be careful. Be on guard. Don't get drawn away. Don't get so caught up on those conversations that that becomes your worship. To the point that you don't pay attention to God and have a high view of Scripture and get your wisdom from there. Caution. It's our caution. Don't lose sight of who you are. Don't lose sight of your source of wisdom. Keep focused on God. And just be alert of those that are trying to deceive you. Some of them are being used by Satan. Let's be standing together.
Father God, as we look at the Scripture today, we find many cautions from Paul to Timothy. And Lord, our culture is a little bit different today, but at the same time, a little bit the same. Or maybe a lot the same. There are people out there trying to cause confusion. Some of them are trying to do it on purpose. Some of them are just tools of Satan to confuse us. And Father, we can be gullible and get drawn away. We get picked up on things and we start losing our focus on Scripture. We keep learning new stuff. Some of it's trivial. We're never learning the hard stuff. Maybe because we don't want to take the time. Or maybe we know what the truth is and we just don't want to make that adjustment. We don't want to... We want to be obedient to ourselves, not obedient to you. We don't want to give up that thing that maybe we know we shouldn't be doing that you told us not to. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to focus on you. To focus on your word. To do what you are asking us to do. To be obedient to you. Clear out the cobwebs, we pray. Give us the urgency to seek your truth. Give us the wisdom in the midst of the discussion, whether to engage or to listen. Help us have the right attitudes. But help us to have a high view of Scripture and always go back to you. Forgive us our shortcomings. Help us to live a surrendered life. Just guide and direct us throughout these weeks. And Father, as we get together with family, there might be some debates and some discussions that are come up. And the question is, to what benefit to win the argument? To what benefit to have the discussion? Will it further the kingdom or further my agenda? Lord, help us to be wise. Give us your wisdom. And then help us to be obedient to it. Just guide and direct us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.